0: From the womb to the battlefield, a tale of escaping a land of blood-filled sand to the land of the free. This is a refugee story. 20 years from November 1st, 1955, all up until the fall of Saigon on April 30th, 1975. The war was more than North Vietnam versus South Vietnam, as it directly affected other places such as Laos and Cambodia. And with the involvement of the Soviet Union and the Communist Party, and of course, USA with its allies. The war was the second of the Indochina wars, and it was a major conflict in the middle of the Cold War, and during that time frame, there would be 3.8 million lives lost, including civilians, and our guest today is going to tell us his family's story of seeking refuge in the U.S., along with his
1: long-awaited journey to finally return to the place that he had once called home. Welcome back to the Midnight Project, everybody. Uh, tonight, we have a guest who's my friend, like a brother, my mentor, Tron Ho. What up, Tron? What's up with you?
2: Thanks for having me out here at the Midnight Project. Always want to be on the podcast. Thanks, thanks for coming.
1: Yeah, man. Well, thanks for, for coming out and showing the Midnight some love. Um, want to get into this uh, refugee story that you were telling me about the other day. So go ahead and get into that.
2: So as you stated earlier the war ended um april of 1975 yeah and i was born december 4th of 1975 that's when the americans had already pulled out and it was just uh, a free for all for the north communists to come and take and your land your gold your belongings wherever they wanted you know yeah. uh, once the american pulled out it was a nightmare um my dad was a baller down there, which I just found out. And um, he had some money in gold stash. He also fought for... Um, with South Vietnam, with the Americans. Nice. So we knew we had to escape. And at that time, it was very hard to escape. Because they were just shooting anyone and taking anything. Once the American pulled out, it, it was it was just
0: nuts. Open season, free for all.
2: So um, my mom and dad had at the time two siblings me my sister my sister's um one year older than me and she was um pregnant with um my um my brother your baby brother yeah Yeah. my baby brother so we knew we had to skate, and so my dad had like i said some golden cash stashed away so we went and gave it to a captain of a boat take us to seek refuge somewhere else or my dad would have been killed and maybe us too and um, my mom told me like when we're running through the um, the fields trying to go to the boat at night hiding ditches and stuff there were so many limbs, body parts laying everywhere dogs you know arms, legs, heads whatever it was just a live war zone And we got to the boat And um, what I found out Was only 25% of the boat Actually made it to land The other 75% Either got lost at sea Or pirated You know yeah. So we were lucky I That's mean crazy My dad must have known A very knowledgeable captain We made it to Malaysia And And um, I don't remember too much in uh, Malaysia, but we were there for a couple years. Um, I just remember having dirty feet. That's why I always wear socks now. <laughs> it's all muddy, you know what I mean? Right. If anyone ever saw Scarface, if you've been to a refugee camp, you know, you're set up a camp, uh, little tent, you line up for food, you know. Um, it's doggy, dog, you got to be aggressive. It's not like they're going to have a meal for everybody. But I just remember having dirty feet so, we didn't get to the U.S. until 1979. So, we were there for about, in the Rift camp. About, about four hours. years? Yeah, four about years? four years. Three, four years. Damn. Yeah. And um, the how we got here is we had uh, my aunt. She was already here in Las Vegas, and you had to get sponsored here. To the U.S. So, you can't just... I'm okay. over you have to have family or someone, you know what I mean, to sponsor you over. So in 1979, um we moved to Las Vegas. Wow So
1: um what was some of your thoughts when you guys first like got here to Vegas?
2: Well, based on my dad and mom, I was still at the time What I'm 4 years old now. Right. So I just remember living with my aunt and um she already had a, a full household. She had like seven kids, but like four of them were still living there. So my mom, my dad, now my brother was born in 1980. So we were all sharing one one room there. But um, as far as my dad, he said, you know, growing up in Vietnam at the time, you know, we don't have the toys. We're... Uh, not a, you know Not great like the U.S. at the time You know A lot of poverty and stuff So you know he see the lights and glamour here The food here There's abundance of it You don't waste food like that You know
1: Right right right
2: yeah. <laughs> Well You know It is lend the free and we have a lot of Abundancy and, um, We all including me take advantage of Um of simple things like food, clean water, AC, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you have since went back to yeah. Vietnam, right? Yeah. I recently went back. Um recently went back. And um it was um uh, it's crazy how much the country has changed. I mean Yeah. Night and day? Night and day. I felt safer there than I do here in the US. And a lot of people think communists is this and that. Yeah but hell maybe the land of the free need be a little bit more stricter with the laws you know I mean there's death penalties or you know there's still this and that they don't play the comments don't play one thing I don't like about that is the um, the freedom of speech you can't bad mouth their government if you can get locked up okay? mm, right right but as far as going back there it was great I mean cheap it was clean some um, their technology now is better than what we have here. Yeah. I plan on moving there soon. Really? Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, like, it's been three decades since you've been back to Vietnam. So, on the way there, what was going through your head? Like, what were some of your thoughts?
2: How would it feel like to be the majority? Meaning, like, you're- How it flesh? feels to be white. <laughs> 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 like in a land
1: where everybody is like you, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I can feel you, it. You
2: know, in a, a time you're a minority, you understand. I don't I don't know what you are, but you can pass for white. You know what I mean? I'm Cuban. Yeah, yeah no, you know we, what I mean?
0: you are coming all shades.
2: Yeah, but you know <laughs> what I mean? You can pass to sit down at Utah, some small diner, and get away with it. You know what I mean? For me, I'm still cautious at this day and age, and that's to reflect back to what I did remember when I moved back here. So we lived in um, Section 8 after like a year living with my aunt. uh, You know, welfare and stuff like that gives you the opportunity to branch out and do your own thing. So we first got an apartment. I think it was a two-bedroom, and it was five of us sharing that. But it beats my aunt. We were at one-bedroom there. So, you know, grew up on food stamps up in the projects and um in 1979 here in vegas wasn't too too many asians okay not too many mexicans or latinos you know it was mostly white and i I like to say 30 black at the time but mostly white here in vegas anyways gotcha so i remember you know that's why i'm still cautious to this day um Bad story. I remember the first grade, after living the project a while, we finally got our own home, by the way. We bought it in 1982, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. 81 or 82. After That's how hard my parents were. You know, being on the system for a year and a half or whatever, we bought our first home. But I remember walking to school. I must have been in the third grade. And this truck... With no windows down The dad was driving Driving his son to school Same school I was walking to Bit of loogie on me Called me gook What the hell Motherfucker So <laughs> I, I finished the school day. I didn't know what gook was At the time But it's uh, it's like calling the Japanese The NIP you know, Black people The N word or whatever But I didn't know at the time So I went home uh-huh. and told my dad I got spitted on I was called a goop. Well, my dad said, well, you know, we've been fighting our, our lives in Vietnam today, you know, common's free and we're going to be fighting all our lives here, you know, because right now it doesn't matter if I fight for South Vietnam with the Americans. All they right. know is they were the Americans were fighting this war. They shouldn't be involved and they died right. for a cause. Right. They don't understand. So they're, they're hating on any Vietnamese people. Right. I mean, just like how we are right now with the Muslim, they bomb nine one one, like Yeah, uh, that's
1: just ignorance, yeah. unfortunately. So uh you mentioned your parents coming here and you know, you guys being on section eight for a year and a half and getting your own home. So what was um your parents' first jobs coming to the States?
2: Oh. Washing dishes, cook, um, busing tables, car washing. I mean, what are you going to do when you don't even speak English that well, you know? But that's why I was street race. Uh, My parents had a bunch of part-time jobs, odd jobs, under the table, cash. Wow. So I was very independent. Like, we knew how to, like, you know, cook and fend for ourselves. We had chores to do to help around the house and, you know, and— just to keep the house safe, and what I mean by that is kids after school and stuff weekends to ride their bikes past our house and um throw rocks and break windows or windows smash my dad's car mm-hmm. my dad used to make me and my sister, not my brother, so, but we uh, we we would usually have to stand guard out there, and we would defend ourselves and have to fight and get beat up and sometimes beat them up and sometimes get jumped but when you fight long enough, people's going to respect you. Yeah, that's and true. So that's how I'm built, man. I'm a fighter.
1: Man. Sorry for that. But, um, culturally, what were some of the challenges other than like having that language barrier? Like what was some of the traditions that your parents just had to kind of abandon coming here a whole new country, and adapting
2: our culture. You know, over here, um, you know, at that time there wasn't really like an Asian market back then. They were still calling stuff or rental.
1: Oriental, <laughs> <market. laughs> Oriental, Oriental market.
2: So you know, the food, uh, the fruits, you know, or you know, right stuff like that. and like I said, maybe in California, New York he's big Texas. he's big Vietnamese community. They uh, had more Vietnamese people. Right. You know, but my mom and dad really didn't have many Vietnamese friends cuz the population of Vietnamese here was so low. In the 1980s, I believe Las Vegas was under 400,000 population. And the whole Don't city? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> the believe whole you. City.
1: I believe you. Yeah, cuz I know like most people when they come, they try to become americanized really fast, so that's why I was curious. Good question. Yeah, you got another question? No, you got some.
0: I'm just when you when you went back to visit Vietnam, were were there any like specific sites that you wanted to go see or anything like that that maybe kind of tied into the the Vietnam War or like what 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 were some of the main things you wanted to do? Taken to take in all the culture again that you said you had to like miss because they didn't have it here.
2: Eat. Love to eat. Authentic food. And it was cheap. Like a meal on the street. And I'm talking about the street vendors on both sides of the street for miles. Every block you go to. I was eating on the street from a dollar fifty to three dollars. Yeah, damn. I wish we don't even have a dollar menu at McDonald's anymore. US. Bro, not even
1: Dollar Tree is a dollar. No, I know. (laughs) It's a dollar lie. I'm talking about
2: full meals. You're
0: All right, wow. so favorite Vietnamese dish, go.
2: Uh, Your go-to, the one you would just take any damn time. Uh, man, that's hard, man. Yeah, uh, that's real hard, but I like my escargot, and Vietnam love their snails. If You know, you guys don't know what escargot is. And it's expensive here in the States. But out there, I'll pay about five, six bucks. Wow. Here's so, the states, I'm paying 17 to 18. So that's that's still expensive there by their standards for yes, what you were yes, just telling yes, us, right? So, yes, right? right. So, so, yes. yes. But like my favorite soup bowl is not pho. And I know pho is like a lot of you guys know pho, but like pho you. Yeah. I'm going to turn you all boom ball way, bro. Boom ball way is. To me, way better than pho. A lot of people don't know about that dish.
1: Is that similar to pho? Like, uh, is it a soup or?
2: Yeah, it's a soup, but the broth is different. It got a lot of lemongrass and stuff in it. Okay, and uh, you know, because you I, said "boom bye, way," "boom ba way," "boom bye, way." Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to look into that. I'm gonna have to try yeah, that, that one. Shit. Is, yeah, that one's busting. Okay, uh, and the fruits. And uh, like, man, things were so cheap out there. That's why I want to go back there and live. Like, yeah. hotel rooms. The hotel rooms were so bougie with fending pools on the rooftop bars. Okay, we have that in Vegas. You're not, not paying for our price. Tw- you're not paying twenty twenty five dollars for it.
1: Nah, you're paying like two hundred fifty three hundred. Yeah, on a yeah, good night. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: California two hundred dollars right for a double in a week double tree. So, like hotel rooms, like there were some cheaper ones that one, because I traveled there alone. I went there with my cousins, but then I want to venture off and do more things with the community and the locals. And um, there was a hotel room from anywhere from 7 to $10. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was a bed. If you need a clean room, a shower, and a toilet, I would recommend those if you're your backpacking in Vietnam. Yeah. But, for $20, 25 you know, that, that's pretty good good stuff.
1: Right. So I got one more question. So you said it was cheap there, and then you said uh, the local food was good. But how was the locals there? Like interacting with them? Because, you know, a lot of people think going to these third world countries is poverty. You got to watch your back. You're going to get mugged, robbed, murdered, kidnapped. How was it?
2: Let's put it this way. I've been to a lot of places and I've never seen so many people with rotten teeth that love to smile. Yeah. Oh, you <laughs>
0: ain't been to Peru? Oh, oh Peru, But they didn't No tweakers ain't smiling.
2: <laughs> they mean mugging. But uh, I was trying by myself. Like I said, I was backpacking. I would get lost a lot. And these people were so welcoming. They were like, oh, you're soaking wet. Where are you going? I'll like, say, I'm going nowhere because I'm lost. They're like, where's your destination? And I was like, I don't know right now. I'm just, I'm just nomadic. I'm I'm here by myself traveling, and they will invite me in their house. Total strangers. And ain't gonna house. happen here in the U.S. In their no. home. In their home. Let me change, get dry, sit there, use their Wi-Fi so I can Google where I'm going to stay for the night or whatever. Wow. Serve me food. That's love, dude. The, Some the good most, hospitality. Yeah. But I I felt so fake. So safe There's like military police Or security guard or police Party every two or three blocks The crime rate is so low Because their laws are so strict When it, With the communists You know what I mean Got you. So like the biggest thing is Is like They might snatch your cell phone You know And that's like On a motorbike or something They might snatch it But as far as like I was just walking some sketchy area Yeah And um No one even, like, gave me a dirty look or anything. But then again, they're like five, six.
1: You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, I felt like I was a giant. Like, try (laughs) me. He was a giant. I was a dick
2: for you. Right. No, but like I said, I never ever ever felt threatened.
1: Okay. So pretty much, you heard it here on the Midnight Project. Don't believe the hype. We say it's a third world country, but go and see it for yourself because it may not be. It might be a very welcoming, loving, peaceful place. You just never know. Try it out.
0: Definitely should go out and see the world a little
1: bit more. Definitely.
0: In today's world, teetering on the edge of World War III, with Ukraine and Russia going at it, and with now Israel and Palestine going at it, Definitely, it is stories like this that we need to actually turn to and learn from, or else we'll be damned to have history repeating itself. And with that, Tron, I want to thank you again for coming on and kind of sharing your story with us and letting us know what it was that you had to go through. And as always, subscribe, share, and show that you care. We out. And by the way, uh, Tron had one more little interesting tidbit that he wanted to throw in before we
2: finish closing this episode out. I do. Like, I want to say, like, my birth certificate is a part of history. Where I was born is Saigon, Vietnam. It no longer exists. It's Ho Chi Minh City. So anyone that was born in Saigon that say on the birth certificate is an OG. It's a part of history. <laughs> Historical
1: events, baby. Yeah.
2: You heard it here. So a little traveling? How you doing? it? Try to walk it, but kept getting lost. The old people in their exercises. You know. Whatever it is, stay out here doing it, getting active. It's all matter. Movement. Just movement. Doing. Oh, work out them hips, bro. Work out them hips. You, you missed right Yeah. Good. Uh, you should have called tune in. You should just pay for his hotel room and stay.